son of Iraq as well. And I wouldn't start a war in Libya. I'd quit bombing Yemen and I'd quit bombing Pakistan. I'd start taking... This is how the war on drugs is presented. We're concerned about your health. So we're going to send you to prison. I'm sorry, I thought this was America. Made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So, well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. frustrated with mainstream ideologies? If you're an active duty soldier, then these absurdly common factors that accompany being a critical thinking human being now coin you as a potential terrorist Welcome to episode 15 of the Luchadors of Liberty. I am Robert Vinson, joined always by my co-host, Demetrios Nanos. How are you doing, Demetrios? I'm, I'm well. My phone took a little dunk in the ocean, but, you know, it'd be like that. It, it, it does be like that sometimes. That's all right. We, we were trying to get, get one done yesterday, but, you know, Monday night podcast isn't always bad. It, it's... Uh, it's good to actually get one done. We're trying to get one done like bi-weekly or a month, but we got a busy schedule. We're both in law school. So it, when we, when we can, we get them done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We do our best. Mm-hmm. Well, with a lot of stuff going on here in 2020, obviously with, with the lockdowns, with the election year going on with the situation in China and the Xinjiang province and just everything going on, we have to kind of pick and choose. Um, you know what the show is going to be about each and every week, because if if you want to talk about everything, it's going to be we're going to be losing our, our train of thought so much. I can't I can't really, you know, stay on track anyway. And so I have to that's why I made I started to make show notes now and it's going to hopefully keep us on track. So today's episode, we're going to talk about um, Amy Coney Barrett and the Supreme Court uh, nomination and, and uh, the Senate hearing. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, social media censorship. That's big in the news right now with the story about Hunter Biden coming out and uh, Facebook and Twitter and all sorts of social media um, entities uh, censoring that article by the New York Post. And we're also going to talk about uh, mainly the Armenian and Azerbaijan uh, conflict going on right now. Uh, Dimitri knows a lot about that, uh, happens to be well informed on it and i did a little bit of research before uh the show today so that's something that we're going to be focusing on today so to go ahead and start um d what are your thoughts on everything going on with amy coney barrett and uh you know our our newest addition to the supreme court so after watching a lot of the the lines of questioning from the senators it's clear that she has almost a stoic type demeanor like the senators were coming. Cory Booker was grilling her for absolutely no reason. And she would sit there. And when she was asked policy decisions, she would say, well, as a justice of the Supreme Court, I don't actually rule on policy. I rule on the law. And she would take these hardball questions and make sure that she was giving the correct answer. And whether you like the way she votes or you don't like the way she votes, she's got a pretty good grasp on the law. And she seems to know what she's doing. 
Yeah, and Cory Booker was hammering. Um, he, he tried to lead her to Masterpiece Cake Shop, uh, the classic classic case. Um, you know, we, we, we learn about it as law school students where the, this guy denied um, making a wedding cake for, for a gay wedding for two men, but he, he tried, tried to sell them other things. He said, I can sell you everything else, but I'm not going to use my artistic ability to make you a cake. And he, he was trying to lead her down that path. And she was saying, you know, I'm not going to comment on that because or she, she basically was saying, that overall, if he's asking her about a case that is like well disputed still, she's not going to comment on that because there quite possibly could be another case coming forward that she has to rule on. And so she's not going to give that answer right now. And I thought that was a great answer um, by her saying that obviously there is going to be something coming up um, eventually with these. Now, with cases like... Oh my goodness. Hang on. Hang on. We're going to have to pause it and come back. All right. Sorry about that little technical difficulties. I didn't want my discord notifications to be like beeping in everyone's ears the whole time. So, so you're much better off. I promise for that delay and you wouldn't even notice it. I'm literally back instantly. So anyway, um, yeah, I thought she answered that question. Great. And then when she, uh, got questioned by Amy Klobuchar, right. Um, about uh, board and board versus Brown of education or Brown versus board of education. Brown Brown versus board of education. Um, She was saying, this is something like super president, right? Like it's something that most everyone agrees with. Uh, Pretty much everyone agrees with it. And so there's not a real dispute there. And I'm, I'm so glad she said that because it's, it's like they're asking her, almost unrealistic questions like yeah. as, as if th- these things would come up you know again now for libertarians you know we might have our disagreements and how how freedom of association should work and stuff like this but being realistic you know brown v board is not going to be overturned anytime soon and so that's no. an ex- excellent answer as well all right um a lot a lot of the questions with that were just talking about super precedent mm-hmm. it it seems it seems unrealistic to ask a judge to talk about super precedent because what is there to talk about? We it's as over. American people, it, it's been handled. We all agree it is what it is. And there's there's no reason to change it at this point. No, there's really not. And I mean, like like I said, for from a libertarian perspective, we can sit there and argue it and how it should be and should not be, but to do that, in my opinion, I don't know if I would call it a waste of a, a waste of time, but I would say you know, it's it's just not feasible at this point in, in our political landscape. No, so, no, it isn't. So good answers by her, and as always, the Democrats stay ragging on her. Now, there's it's kind of funny um, to watch all this go down because uh, Jake Tapper, who I don't agree with most of the time uh, is, is basically having to tell these Biden staffers on CNN. I don't know if you saw this. I'm going to play it, uh, play the soundbite for a second. Um, they're trying to say it's unconstitutional. Biden was uh, talking to the media and he said, it's unconstitutional what they're doing. And it's just not. And Jake Tapper is trying to you know, say this to the Biden staffer and she's just not having it. She's trying to spin it every way she can. So have a listen in there. 
I want to get to the idea of adding justices to the court in a second, but he said it's not constitutional what they're doing. How is it not constitutional what they're doing? His point is that the people have an opportunity to weigh in on this constitutional process through their vote. And we are now in the midst of the election. Millions of people have already cast their votes. And you see that the vast majority of people say that they want the person who wins the election on November 3rd to. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go and stop it right there. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Like it, <laughs> that wasn't the fucking question. <laughs> like the question was, is it constitutional or is it not constitutional? And really like Supreme Court. We already know they're not elected. It's not an elected position. Sorry, it's just not. No, it's and it's an appointed position, and it's appointed by the president. And right. the president has four years to serve out their term. So if a Supreme Court justice dies within those four years, then the president then has the ability to appoint the new Supreme Court justice. Right, and and he's doing so now flip the situation and this is this is what libertarians tend to see all the time but uh democrats and republicans fail to realize that every four or eight years they flip flop like if this was the democrats they would be trying to push someone through already even if it was in a lame duck presidency like like an eight-year presidency so either way they're gonna say it's wrong when they would do the exact same thing they did justice sotomayor yeah, they did yeah they did so and Phenomenal justice. I'm I'm actually a huge fan of Sotomayor, and it's it's a good thing because those judges who are pushed in at the last second tend tend to have a bit of a chip on their shoulder when they go up there to the Supreme Court. They they seem to rule in a very moderate way, mm. and I think Sotomayor is a good example of that. It's her best friend up there is Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> go figure. And now, I mean, another woman on the Supreme Court, so. That's good if you like your identity politics, I guess. And yeah, so Jake Tapper, I think it's just funny when when uh, these Biden staffers and these people, uh, you know, these Democratic rep Democrat representatives come on CNN and they think they're just going to have an easy go of it because they usually do. And now this staffer's like, oh shit, he's he's actually, you know, not buying my my shit that I'm selling him. So to nominate the justice. That's a poll. That's seat. not the Constitution. So That's a poll, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that's a poll yeah, smack so yeah I, I just love to see that i love to see that I, i'm done with it because hey you've everyone who's watching this probably already seen this so yeah that was that was good stuff good stuff by jake tapper okay so moving forward uh after that i i want to go into the New York Post um, story that they broke about Hunter Biden. Um, and I guess the emails that were received basically confirming the corruption that we already knew was going on with Hunter Biden um, and Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company that he was working for for millions of dollars, right? 85 so, grand a month, man. Yeah. That's so, a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And, and you know what? Um, the emails allegedly are confirming that the company had access to Joe Biden. Um, you know, so there's, it's just dirty. It's just dirty, uh, corporate politics, you know, it's nepotism. The company's yeah. paying money to make sure that Joe Biden's son gives them access to Joe Biden. And right. for the company, that's your best option. 
if, if you're an Eastern European energy company and you're trying to get access to the American political system, the best way to do it is through senators, congressmen, other politicians. And the vice president, if you got the money to buy his son out, shit, you buy him out. Right. Now, I don't want to focus too much on that story because we could do a whole podcast on that. We could do a yeah. whole podcast on the corruption in in politics and just the Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Burisma story. What I want to focus on is uh, the social media companies calling this or censoring accounts that are trying to spread this information. This is information that should be spread. It's information that is trying to shed a light and get give some transparency to what's going on in our government. You cannot, as, as an American social media company, be doing this. And this is the problem we have, you know, the dilemma between uh, libertarians and, I guess, freedom of speech and private business rights, right? They're private business, obviously, but it's a monopoly for all, you know, we're just going to, I'm just going to say it. They're, they're a monopoly. Like they're, they're controlling all of the market in this and they're controlling the narrative. And that's, that's what it comes down to. So what's the solution, you know, to this? And I don't know. You really can't think of one because they're, they're created by people flocking to them. It's not a monopoly like Standard Oil where you control all of the oil in the country. Well, people only use oil for specific things. Discourse is something where people go to seek out other people. So where the people are is where the discourse happens. So you can't just break up Twitter or break up Facebook and hope that people will have smaller group discourse on multiple different platforms people are going to go to the largest platform to have the biggest voice and really all we can do is encourage other social media sites like like jordan peterson's mind or other sites that have a basis in their in their um, mission statement that say we're not going to censor anyone's speech and you know i even thought myself of trying to start a company like that but there's so many stories of people who are trying to start these companies, um, you know, bigger companies like Visa and MasterCard, not letting you use their, their credit, credit card service or stuff like that. You know, it's, it's a lot of interwebbing and in companies and, and people working together. Uh, that's just unhealthy for competition and unhealthy for transparency, really, and freedom of discourse. It's unfortunate, but that's the state we're in right now. Yeah. And it's really sad to to look at look at how it's changed from the agora back in ancient Greece, where everyone just showed up at a plaza and started talking and talking sauce to each other, talking mm -hmm. philosophy, talking crap, whatever. And now it's devolved into what is it, two hundred and forty characters on Twitter, mm -hmm. people yes. just sharing memes and blowing each other up, doxing each other. It it's really a shame. Yeah, and doxing people for their beliefs nonetheless sometimes. And, you know, that's why I like podcasting because we can sit here and have a conversation, which is basically what, like, if you read the clouds or if you read Socrates or Plato, uh, some of those stories, they literally were like hanging out in like the market or something and they met and then they were like, you want to come back to my place? And they sat in a circle and talked. And that's basically what those books were. And it was just people spitting knowledge. And so if, if you're listening to this, all I can encourage you to do is fight back against, you know, the 
the disproportionate censoring and disproportionate, um, I guess, filter canceling. that's canceling and filtering that's put on uh, not leftist opinions. You know, it's I rarely see a you know check check your local elections update on a Biden on a Biden ad or you know check fact check some some leftist viewpoint I rarely see it and it's not it's not because I don't see them because I do I I have a lot of leftist friends on on Twitter and Facebook and I reach out and look at those news sources and they're not right all the time but they never get fact checked and that's just telling telling uh, as to where we are in society with I guess even journalism uh, because a lot of the fact-checking sites are like the New York Times and and like Snopes and things like that. So, and we all know the New York Times and Snopes never lie about anything. Never, never. They're not biased at all. So, no. you know, they're they're not people. They're robots, so they can't be biased. Anyway, so speaking of Twitter, um, President Trump took to Twitter. Uh, I guess, I guess to try and scrape some libertarian votes from from anti-war libertarians. So in this tweet, he says, uh, thank you libertarians, in all caps. I don't know why he wants to do all caps. It's just stupid. Uh, We're getting it all done and fast. Vote Trump. Um, And then he was talking about, in a previous tweet, pulling troops from Afghanistan. Okay, but you could do it before the election. <laughs> like that'd be nice. Nothing would have been nice three years ago. Yeah, would have been nice. Uh, you said you were doing it, so uh, there is there is a an article. Um, U- U.S. will reduce forces in Afghanistan to 2,500 by early 2021. And I think Trump, uh, in this article I read on antiwar.com, he was saying the guy who wrote this article was saying Trump likes to bring troops home for the holidays. So. You know, I'm worried if it's just that or if it might be he's bringing them home permanently. But regardless, it should be permanent. We shouldn't be involved in this eight, you know, in this decades long affair in in the Middle East. We have no, no uh, reason to be over there. It's not our home. Um, They don't want us there anyway. The the dream of a democracy in the Middle East that's that's westernized has that idea has to be given up on. We can't we can't keep pushing regime change on everybody. Yeah, and it it's easy when we have all this power to just let it get to our head and be like, yo, we drop bombs, we send troops in. It what's harder is to use our mediating power at the United Nations or any sort of alternative dispute resolution. The the easiest way to solve a problem isn't with a gun. No, and you know, it's again, an unfortunate state that we're in right now that half, half of the country thinks that, oh no, that's, that's the way we should be doing things. And uh, that just goes to show that, well, one, the anti-war left is almost, almost absent. I won't say they're completely absent, but they're almost completely uh, gone. Like anytime I see anything about war, um, usually the left and right agree that we should be in perpetual war. So that's one thing that that libertarians need to, I guess, harp on even more because that's what got me right. Um, Ron Paul and 
preaching in the Fed and anti-war and in the war on drugs. So that's something we need to harp on and something we could find common ground on, I guess, uh, with some people and try and get those votes. But uh, yeah, it just it shows you that like conservatives uh, nationalism is also equally as bad as what we're seeing from the left. And it, it's also really weird that it's it's starting to seem like the constituents aren't actually represented by their representatives, mm-hmm. which is a crazy thought. Who, who would have thought that the, the people you elect don't actually represent your ideals when they're being paid by all those corporate entities? But the leftist politicians are pro-war, whereas if you talk to any leftist, they're anti-war. In fact, most leftists are actually in favor of a war against corporations rather than a war against other states. Right. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, it's just it's just become this tribal team. Like my team's better than yours. Why you're you're a bad person if you don't vote for my team, and I'm the good person. And and we really don't take the time to stop and just. But, and this is something I try to do um, before almost every every conversation that's political with people. I try and, you know, tell myself that no matter what they say, what they believe in, we all want a good outcome, right? We all really want, mo- most of us at least, all want something good to come out of this conversation. And I try not to assume that they have any ill will. Now, as the conversation goes on um, and they're like, no, fuck the brown people. Then, then you can be like, okay, well, <laughs> this guy obviously just doesn't care about, about Muslims or the Middle East at all or any other place that we've bombed, really. There's too many to name. Uh, so <laughs> you, at a certain point, you can give that up. But we, we have to know that we just have different ph- philosophical ideas on how to solve this, especially us. And that's what I try and preach, especially with all this infighting the libertarians do. Yeah, we do do a whole lot of infighting. Which for doesn't no help. Reason. Doesn't help at, at all. But at the same time, you know, um, that's why I joined the Mises Caucus, and that's why we're helping out with the Mises Caucus to, you know, try and push our beliefs on the on the LP. So, you know, that's that's how we are trying to keep the leftists out of the libertarian party not that they don't have some good qualities but that's just not what we believe in strong steel is tempered by fire man it's there the only go. way to do it okay so and speaking of strong steel uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wait are you talking about the which which one are you talking about because france on this france oh god okay that's fucked up <laughs> uh, so i thought i'd throw this new story in um a teacher for freedom of expression week showed his class a cartoon of muhammad the prophet uh, from islam and he was hunted down and beheaded in the streets of paris so now France is looking to expel 231 suspected extremists after the attack on this teacher. Um, yeah, this is something that is reoccurring. And uh, like the last time, the Charlie Hebdo, right? Um, that whole situation where they showed Muhammad, there, there is uh, an outcry from the Islamic community there. And uh, it's, it's, it goes against all manners of the of the NAP, right? For us libertarians, the non-aggression principle. Um, 
And I had to include the story because this is why the teacher did this. And it's, it sucks that he died for this reason. Right. But he did it for this exact reason to show that this religion will out, not, not everyone. I don't, I don't want to generalize, but there are certain extremists within Islam that will lash out and, you know, commit acts of violence for showing, showing the prophet Muhammad uh, depicted. Right. And, you know, I, I don't know where to go with this. We're just presenting you the information here. It's a sad story. It really is uh, all around. Yeah. You just, you take the facts as they are and you make your own, your own judgment call from them. It's mm-hmm. pretty sad that a teacher has to get killed for that. And I, France's response is interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know if that will actually do all that much for them. But if that's the will of the French people, then that's what should be done. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's it's something that's like what happened was bad, but you shouldn't lose your head over it. That was awful. All right, let's move on. I just stole, let's I just, move on. I just stole your joke. You know, let's move on. You said it earlier. I thought you were going to say it. Nope. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, I was leaving that one out, man. Oh, you, I didn't know you were going to leave it out. I, want, I yeah. wanted it in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're not very tasteful. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. I, <laughs> I got to regroup. <laughs> I got to regroup after that. Oh, we got to get serious. Yeah. Well, the easiest way to get serious is to talk about China. And genocide. So genocide. Damn. Easy uh, way to cool your head. So recently, uh, come out a report that China is separating uh, children from parents in these uh, re-education camps, and we'll we'll throw out the quotes: the re-education camps in China. Um, they're denying that their children are being separated from the parents there, which, um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like, but do you have re-education camps? No. Okay. Here's the re-education camps. Uh, uh, are you making them work? No. Okay. We, we have reports you're making them work. Okay. So they exist. Okay. Fine. They exist. They're called re-education camps. We'll let that one slide. Are you taking the parents from the children? No. Okay. The parents are separated from the children. Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of like you can deny it, but if you arrest the parents and same goes for the U S like, you know, at the border. Right. Um, yeah. it, it's it, not that much different. No, it's, it's really not. It's well, we're, we won't argue which one's worse. Cause I don't like to, I don't like to say like this victim's worse than this victim, but like, you know, if you're arresting the parents, they're automatically separated from the children. It's just inevitable. That's what happens. Right. It, it's shitty human beings treating good people poorly Mm -hmm. regardless the way the u.s does it the way china does it it's a specific group of people that's been targeted for their set of beliefs the way they look their country of origin and they're being separated from their elders and forced to learn a different way of life yeah (sighs) it 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 seems kind of hitler (laughs) yeah especially if you see that video of 
of uh, the train at nighttime coming into yeah. Xinjiang, and and the Uyghurs are blindfolded and and handcuffed and being led on to trains in mass. I actually showed that to my papu, and he he said it reminded him of what the Nazis used to do to the gypsies. Mm-hmm. They would they would blindfold them and they'd put them on boats and nobody would ever see them again. Right, and it just so happens that we have thousands of corroborating stories from uh, people who are released from these camps and are now probably in uh, Turkey. Um, you know, yep. they've moved out. And so not not only um, does China uh, run these camps, right? Um, they also have ethnic Han uh, Chinese people come into the province. This is what they did in Tibet. And this is what they, this, this is how they basically cover up. So they move all these Han ethnic Chinese citizens into the province where, where the Uyghurs were, where they built their livelihood and where they work and everything. So it's a strategy to basically ethnically not, not cleanse, but basically culturally cleanse and uh, spread, spread, that Han culture. Um, it's, it's a cultural genocide is what I'm calling it at the moment. I don't know what else to call it, really. Um, there's forced labor involved. Uh, only, the only thing missing is basically mass, mass murder. And that's right. the only thing missing from what we know. From what we know exactly and same same deal with with the holocaust right we uh, at first knew about the camps right but they were like we are not killing any jews i i don't we yes yes we did we did round them up you found out found out about that auschwitz is real but we don't kill anybody and then we found out they're killing everybody so i hope that's not the case i sincerely hope that's not the case um and if it is if it is i what what do you do? Uh, you're you're talking about a nuclear World War Three, uh, by by Mike Pompeo's own words. He in that talk he gave at the Reagan Library or the uh, the Nixon Library. Sorry, um, he was very very hawkish on China, and um, the Chinese state media came out and criticized it. But um, people within China. Uh, actually spread a lot of stories that are saying like yeah it's good he's being hawkish but to me i want to avoid this war at all costs right um and the only thing you can do is put pressure on china economically and and not not allow them to do this but it's hard that they have a foothold in a lot of countries in the in the middle east in regards to money and building infrastructure and a lot of Muslim countries look the other way on the bill that the U.S. sponsored with 22 other countries saying this is going on and needs to stop. A lot of Muslim countries did not stand up for their Muslim brothers and sisters in the Xinjiang province. Very, and that's very the sad thing. It, it, it can be said that the countries didn't stand up, but what option do they have? <laughs> there, there really is no option. They the economic development of most of the Middle East rides on the back of China because Europe isn't going to do it and they haven't done it. Turkey's been trying to get into the EU forever and it just, it doesn't happen. I'm not saying Turkey's the best candidate for the EU. Believe me, I've got my, my qualms with Turkey, but you look at the Middle East and they really don't have much of a chance. 
everyone's fighting within their countries and nobody's really trying to economically develop them. So when a first world nation comes over and says, hey, we'll build an entire interstate highway network for your country and we'll connect it with this country and this country and this country and open up free trade throughout the Middle East, everyone everyone over there is like, this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, like, like our professor, I can't name his name, uh, or I, I won't name his name because I, I know um, I know he probably wouldn't want that. But um, the the money and the infrastructure that comes from China, although it might seem as if there's no strings attached, it's kind of like the mafia, right? Yeah. And we've said this before. It's like uh, I may come to you one day for a favor. Uh, while the U.S., when they try and build infrastructure in other countries, maybe in Africa, for example. Um, I forget which country we were trying to do this in. It was under the Obama administration. We were like, okay, you need to change your policy on uh, jailing homosexuals, right? And uh, the country wouldn't. And so China ended up getting the bid because they were like, we'll just, we'll just do it. But it comes with consequences. It does because you have to support the Communist Party, you know, at UN votes and different things like that. So it, it's not really no strings attached money. And we'll probably find that out we're already finding it out and there ain't in, no such thing as a free lunch. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and, and really a good segue, uh, you mentioned it was all these Middle Eastern countries fighting each other and, and drawing, basically drawing lines, right? It, it yeah. goes back to drawing lines and including, um, populations that don't really like each other within the same, within the same borders. Um, and I'm referring to Armenia and Azerbaijan, uh, two former Soviet Union uh, states, right? And yep. this goes back to Joseph Stalin uh, excluding the Nagorno-Karabakh um, Karabakh province from, I guess you can call it a province. We'll say it's a province for now. It's a right? region. Region. It, so, yeah. yeah, so excluding that region from Armenia and uh, including it in Azerbaijan. And I'll I'll let you uh, set the stage for this one. Um, This is your baby. Yeah, so it's really interesting. The the way when uh, Russia was creating its provinces, the way it set things up is it actually took a part of Azerbaijan and slapped it in the corner of Armenia and took a part of Armenia and slapped it right in the middle of Azerbaijan. So you have, exactly. You have all these cultural Armenians living in the middle of Azerbaijan, and you have all these cultural Azeri living in Armenia. And it's very, very, very similar to the Serbian situation, where if you look at the border, there's that very nice sliver of highway that connects one piece of Serbia to another piece of Serbia, where ethnic Serbs lived in the middle of a different country. If you look at the, um, oh, I'm not going to, the NAR in Mm -hmm. Armenia which is actually kind of part of Azerbaijan now. It's an autonomous zone. Um, You could just create a little sliver through Nagorno-Karabakh, through the south side of Armenia, that would connect Azerbaijan to the Azeri people that live in Armenia. And you could give the Nagorno-Karabakh province to Armenia, and it would solve all of the issues. But for some reason, states want to get involved. And if you want to go through the history of it, you're... You're welcome to. I know you got you got all that written down. Okay. Um, yeah. So, as we mentioned in 
1921, uh, Soviet leader Joseph Stalin, uh, <laughs> praise be, <laughs> praise be supreme leader Joseph Stalin, uh, <laughs> Drew the drew the lines that we just talked about, um, but before that, in 1914, um, the Armenian genocide happened, and so this is this is I guess the roots of it, really, like like the ethnic rivalry, right? The um, yes, the if you want to boil it down to that, um, and it's, it's the Turkic Muslims versus the the Christians in the area. Right. And so this has been going on since then. And, and in 1988, um, basically when the Soviet Union was falling, um, the area's legislature, the area as in Nagorno, uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I cannot, Karabakh. Nagorno Karabakh. I cannot keep saying that. Like it, I will get tongue tied. Um, so they passed a resolution officially wanting to join Armenia and, include and basically exclude itself from Azerbaijan. Uh, three years later, they broke away and declared themselves independent, which is now the area that's being disputed. Okay. Uh, a war erupted in 1991 that killed uh, about 30,000 people um, and civilians included in that number, which is awful. Um, but Armenia ended up, ended up winning that war and taking that territory for itself. So ever since then, there's been a desire for Azerbaijan to retake that territory. And there's been skirmishes here and there since then, only lasting a couple of days. This one is different because it's not following that pattern from uh, these previous little conflicts. It's escalating to uh, shelling cities where civilians are living, um, drones that are supplied by Turkey, from Azerbaijan are being used in kamikaze style attacks on different military outposts. Civilian populations. Civilian as well. populations as well. And and so it's it's escalating to a point where uh, where frankly bigger bigger parties could get involved. Russia could get involved on the side of of Armenia, who it plays favor to, although it does do business with both Armenia and Azerbaijan. Um, it even tried to broker it, it a peace. It plays deal. favorite to Azerbaijan, not Armenia. I I've read an article that said differently, but if if you if you know you know more about it than I do, so yeah, they it, they typically it, play favorites towards Azerbaijan. If Russia were to get involved militarily, do you think? Well, one, do we think Russia would even get involved militarily? No, they have a very distinct history of not getting involved in this conflict. Typically, what they do is arm both sides. They kind of do what the United States does in every conflict and say, here, you get some weapons, you get some weapons, duke it out amongst yourselves. We don't really want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And the United States has kind of done the same thing. Um, originally, I believe they gave more arms to Azerbaijan than they did to Armenia. But they, I think, let me. The, the United States? They, they gave more after. The United, right? Are you talking about the United States? Yeah, after the the original conflict, they eventually started giving more arms to Azerbaijan because yeah. Russia was giving arms to Armenia. It, right here, it says, uh, the USA uh, is providing military aid to Azerbaijan over Armenia at a ratio of 25 to 1. 
Yes. So, so uh, this is one of the things in the article that that I read um, was saying that the U.S. needs to stop doing. So, if you're asking, you know, what what should I ask of my senators, my representatives, you say, you know, one, stop disproportionately um, mili- giving military aid to Azerbaijan over Armenia. Um, and really, we don't we don't want to get involved in this at all. But if you're going to get involved, don't arm the country that's less free and less westernized and basically a a dictatorship, a totalitarian dictatorship in Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan oh. is the Caucasus version of North Korea. They're a they are essentially North Korea without nuclear weapons located in the Middle East. It's a it's a very, very, very strange country. And as the name suggests, nobody's ever heard of it. Right. So so um, I'll just read this whole quote for you. So after the 25 to 1, um, the article goes on to say this disparity occurred over the, la- the over the past four years when American military aid to Azerbaijan increased by uh, three thousand two hundred thirty three percent from three million to one hundred million dollars. Um, yet while Armenia is ranked. 77 out of 198, according to the Transparency International Index. Azerbaijan is ranked 50 spots lower at 126. So yeah, it, it's just it just goes to say the overall um, character of the government and the state in in each Azerbaijan and Armenia. Um, so this article from Antiwar.com is basically asking. One, to stop providing military aid to Azerbaijan, and two, to place an embargo on military aid to Turkey, since Turkey is basically, you know, they're shipping Syrians, some Syrian soldiers to fight um, for Azerbaijan, and they're also funding them and using their own military in this conflict. And yeah, that's the it, that's the two solutions that this article is calling for. I, I think I agree um, with my limited knowledge of this subject. The... The best resolution would be a peaceful resolution. And that's always the case with every conflict is you want a peaceful resolution. And I think a mediation where the United States, Turkey, Russia, Armenia, and Azerbaijan sit down and they discuss a way to create more unified countries. Take the regions that are culturally um, equivalent to their respective country and connect them somehow. Make sure that people who feel attached to a specific way of life are connected. And we did it in we did it in the Balkans and it's worked out well so far, I think. And it's you can do it here. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to um, this this guy he wrote uh a letter. This is also on antiwar.com. He wrote a letter to his congressman here in Florida. Um, your your dad's friend, apparently, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gus Bilarakis. Um, so uh, James Rutledge uh, Roche. I want to give I want to give him credit for this because it's a real really well worded uh, letter that he edited for. Gus Bilarakis has been a champion of the Armenians for a while. He was one of the first congressmen to stand up and try and get the United States government to recognize the Armenian genocide because it was a good large group of Hellenic Christians that were killed in the Armenian genocide back in the 1910s. It wasn't just ethnic Armenians. 
So <clears throat> Roche goes on to say this, and I, I really appreciated, um, appreciated him bringing this in because what we're getting at is uh, a nation's right to self-determination. If you have a large ethnic or religious or um, you know, racial group even that wants to start its, its own uh, state with its own set of beliefs, that is something that the U.S. should champion. That is something that should reign within all of our hearts as Americans. That's what we did, right? We started our own thing over here. So um, he goes on to say, self-determination is not a mere uh, phrase. It is an imperative principle of action. And that's a quote from John Quincy Wilson. So one of our founding fathers. And and you didn't hear it here first, you heard it there first. I mean, it's it's just something that we should be championing. And the only way to do that is not military mil give military aid to um these these powers that are not wanting self-determination that are wanting more control and more government less transparency yeah and the best way to get self-determination isn't through violence the united states obviously we had the revolutionary war but it it ended it ended with people sitting down and talking about their differences and deciding what the best course of action was the end of war isn't when one side is completely wiped out. It's when someone realizes that the right way of going about things is sitting down and talking out your differences. And Turkey has been strong arming that region of the world now for quite a few years. They're very close to a war with Greece. They've been pushing them to the edge and they've been pushing the island of Cyprus to the brink as well. And a good way to start showing Turkey that we're not going to back down and roll over is to get them to sit down at a table with us and be like, Hey, we know what y'all are doing. You guys need to fucking stop it. Yeah. It's rough because Turkey's a NATO ally too. Right. And yeah. to get involved in such, you know, such a conflict like this, like say, say Russia did pick favorites and start funding or giving military aid to Armenia. Then you have, Turkey funding uh, Azerbaijan, and then you have a NATO ally fighting Russia. And that's not good. That's not good news. No, I mean, and I, I really think we need to stop the bullshit with Russia. The yeah. United States and Russia could be the best of allies. And both of us don't really like China all that much. Yeah. And, and cooperation uh, between nuclear powers is all we're asking for as humble citizens who would get wiped away in a nuclear war. <laughs> Absolutely. That's we we, we live in Florida, dude. There's enough military bases in this state to where it'd be wiped off the map by news. Yeah, it'd be ridiculous. So, so yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And um, Erdogan just needs to calm calm his ass down and and you know stop thinking he's hot shit. I guess I don't I don't know what his issue is. He's probably got a small dick. Wouldn't doubt it. Wouldn't would, doubt it. Would not doubt it. I'm from the region. Can confirm. <laughs> oh. Tango down. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I, I that's all I have to say about that going on. It, it started, uh, I believe, September 27th. Armenia uh, claims that Azerbaijan started it, and wouldn't doubt it. Um, wouldn't but doubt Azerbaijan it. claims Armenia started it, right? So it's basically the he said, she said kind of deal. So um, 
right now the statistics in this article i'm not confident in because i've seen statistics all over it's saying 700 people are dead i think it's far greater than that i think it's going to be in the thousands um approaching the tens of thousands here coming up soon because i did see uh 3000 something reported by armenia or azerbaijan and there was an offensive the other day and then there's a pretty yeah yeah. and each side's denying uh military casualties um so it's hard to really tell how many people are actually dying here. So not really good on the statistics right now, but um, yeah. it's, it's going on. Uh, Russia bro- brokered the peace deal and it was broken almost immediately. Um, and if you follow this, this page on Instagram called Atlas news, um, they are posting some very, very graphic stuff of what's going on and they're posting war crimes on Instagram, which yeah. Some of it got reported, but um, it's information, and it's it's information that needs to be put out there. Uh, both sides, uh, very 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 graphic stuff. But war is not pretty, and it's it's not something that I ever want to be a part of in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I I don't have much to say about that. Uh, anything else you want to say about that particular conflict? No, that's that's kind of it. It's it's a it's a solemn discussion, man, because yeah. people are truly out there dying, dying for their beliefs, and nobody's really listening. No, no one's listening at all. So I, I kind of want to start this new thing where I I kind of screenshotted some articles that I just saw throughout the week, and. Uh, I guess we could talk about some of them are like memes or something like that. So, and, and they could be true. They could not be true because they're memes or like stuff I saw on the internet. So take it with a grain of salt. So I saw this, um, this article and it was kind of funny. So it says sex band, uh, indoors for tier two couples living apart. Uh, so in the UK, you're a tier two couple which i have no idea what that means you cannot go visit another person to get your nut and then the meme says i guess no nut november came uh, early to the uk <laughs> oh damn it's the only thing coming early shit oh damn yeah so that's kind of <laughs> funny uh let's see here uh this i kind of want to talk about this because I have a buddy uh, who I did jujitsu with and he, I guess he's left-leaning. I don't really know, but he shares a lot of like left-leaning stuff like this. And this is, Oh, you probably can't see it because the background. So it's a comparison. It has Sue bird and LeBron James, you know who LeBron James is, but let me tell you who Sue bird is. She is a female uh, basketball player in the women's NBA and she has 17 seasons in the WNBA. LeBron James she's has She's like seven. Swedish, right? Yes, she's Swedish. Good job. You actually know who she is. I didn't know who yeah. she was. So the comparison is they have relatively the same statistics, four WNBA championships to four NBA championships. Um, and then they put the salary. They put the salary on there. Uh, so two, she makes $215,000 or made that much in 2020. And... LeBron James made $37.44 million. Um, And then they go into the bonus. So, and the post on Facebook was something like, this isn't fair. This is, 
you know, the pay gap discrimination against women. And uh, I thought it was good. It, it'd be good to talk about here. So do you this, watch the WNBA? No, exactly. So this is the prime. I don't really watch the NBA that much, to be honest. But yeah, me either. The point is a lot more people watch the NBA than the WNBA. I don't know why. That's, I mean, I do, but I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where your pay is governed by the popularity of your sport, right? Yeah. If, if you look at the NFL and the CFL, those, they're not going to get paid the same, right? I hear you clicking over there. I'll go into my rant while you're clicking, but the CFL and the NFL aren't going to get paid that much. I think, a, I think a good thing to look at would be um, pay and women UFC fighters and men UFC fighters because UFC it's just one organization and in my opinion I think women's UFC is one of the most entertaining women's sports to watch like it's probably oh, absolutely one of, it's probably one of the most popular women's sports on earth it, it, on earth if not the most popular women, women's sport so women so. women's soccer Women's soccer is very popular too, but I, I love women's soccer. They're they, actually, I would say they're as fun to watch, if not more fun than men's soccer. Right. And, but they probably get paid less than men's soccer as well too. Not right? by much. Not they, by much. They do get paid less, but it's really not by that much. Okay. I mean, proportionally, because men's soccer players get paid stupid sums of money. I mean, you're looking at hundred million dollar year salaries. Like they're, they're stupid. So if you're complaining about this, if you're saying, why isn't she getting paid like LeBron James getting paid? You have to factor in like jersey sales, ticket sales, uh, viewership, sponsorships, all of this, right? And it's just, my question to you would be, if you want her to get paid the same amount as LeBron James, what is that going to take? Viewership. It's going to take viewership. I mean- that's just not going to happen though. Right. Like right now, that's not going to happen. Not for super because not enough people pay attention to the WNBA to get her to that $37 million that we want. Right. So are we going to take it from somebody? Cause I think that's usually how this argument goes with, with uh, Re- people redistribute. Yes. So that's, that's how, that's how I see a lot of my friends and people uh, who are arguing for, for the pay gap going like we just take it from here and put it over here it's it it never works all right i don't think there's really a way to do it without increasing the viewership of the wnba you're not going to have pay without revenue right and so i don't i just didn't like that that meme that was going around it's kind of like very easy to poke holes into and if, if you really, really are gung-ho about this, how are you going to make a difference without taking money from someone else? And it's, it's like what you said. They have to get viewership up, and they have to get jersey sales up, and the overall popularity of the sport has to grow. Yeah. It, yeah. So I just, I just want to point out the solutions and, and the WNBA, I don't know how long it's been around, but it hasn't been around longer than the NBA. Right. So maybe give it some time, maybe let that base grow a little bit. Right. Let, let more people get into it. Let more young women get into it. Cause like, I don't know, but women typically aren't like as much of fans of sports as men are. Right. Like, 
just generally speaking, like my girl doesn't like me watching football all day, every day. Right. And she's not going to go out of her way to watch football all day, every day. Like if I stopped watching football, we probably wouldn't watch football ever again. (laughs) Okay. Um, And with that being said, she doesn't really watch the NBA. She's definitely not going to watch the WNBA. Right. It's kind of one of these things where like women's sports are something that like I like watching every now and then, but it's not like my main thing. Women should support women is what I'm saying. Yeah. And men should support women too, but I'm not yeah, saying obviously, nobody's obviously. obligated to do anything. If you yeah, don't want to watch something, you don't have to watch it. Like I don't like basketball personally. I actually hate basketball. I've never been good at it. And it just reminds me of being picked last in gym class. So I'm not going to watch it because it just makes me sad. Mm-hmm. I don't even watch, I don't even watch men's basketball. I only watch it yeah. during the finals really. Um, and, and like, the NBA to me right now as a corporation doing some really bad things in terms of with China. I, I, I actually meant to China, China that I need that as a soundbite. I need more Trump sound bites, obviously, and probably Obama sound bites. That would go over well, but I meant to interject that in there. Uh, the NBA, what they're doing with, with not putting free Hong Kong on jerseys, dirty. And also, uh, Disney, um, you're dirty for filming Mulan in Xinjiang province and cowtailing to the, uh, to the actually shaking hands with the people that run these concentration camps. So good job, Disney. Bitch of the week. <laughs> you're the bitch of the week, Disney. Even though that happened like a month ago. Damn, yeah. I'm still refusing to watch Mulan for that reason. Yeah, I haven't watched it either. I loved Mulan as a kid. I loved like all Disney movies as a kid. But I like and to move on a lot. It was Eddie Murphy, right? That was the dragon. That the was dragon, Mushu. Yeah, yeah. Bro. I feel like it would it wouldn't be the same without Eddie Murphy. Probably not. I did they even include Mushu? No, there's no Mushu. How how do you have a movie without how do you have Mulan without Mushu? Why would I even watch it? That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's like having a new toy story, right? No Mr. Potato Head. You gotta have Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Unless Mr. Potato Head is concentrating uh, millions of Uyghurs in concentration camps, yeah. In, in then which you case, can have no Mr. Potato Head. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote the uh, I'm gonna quote Joe Biden here. Come on, man. Come on, man. Uh, come on, man. Yeah, it's un- <laughs> unconstitutional. <laughs> it's, un- it's unconstitutional. Um, oh. we didn't we didn't talk about the debates at all. I just we we can cover that after the debate. We can we can do an episode after the after debate the, on the twenty second. After the next debate, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to say this for the first debate, Joe Biden looked like he is on Adderall or something like that. He was, he was. Uh, he was in the zone. He was in the zone. Um, I don't think either of them won it. it they both did terrible. Um, the moderator was shit. Uh, the questions were shit. And the just overall format of a presidential damn debate is was absolutely dog shit. And yeah. like this is I watch and I listen to uh, intellectual squ- intellectual squared debates. I think mm-hmm. that's the name of the debates. They have a premise and Soho form. The Soho form, uh, probably some of the best debates out there. Um, yeah, absolutely. They have a they have a solution. Or, or a resolution and you're either for it or against it now 
you can do that format and have multiple questions and multiple resolutions. A minute is not enough time for a potential president to talk about anything. It's no. not. I still want to see him on Joe Rogan. I still want to see Joe Jorgensen on that debate stage. This, this is something we need to talk about too. And we can talk about it on the debates and how dirty, 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 dirty the commission for presidential debates is. Yeah. We'll talk about that with the next debate. With the next debate. I think that's it. Um, yeah. Get him out of the rack I as well, fun. and I wouldn't start Hell a yeah. war in Libya. I, I got some fucking pho waiting for me. Some Pakistan. fucking pho. Hell yeah. It's a good episode. We'll see you next week. Um, tune in. We're the Luchadors of Liberty. Always fighting and trying to bring the smackdown to tyranny. Uh, you can yeah. catch us on the Higher Frequency so, Podcast Network on iTunes, Spotify, all your podcast apps. Pornhub, RedTube, all of them. Starting OnlyFans soon, so pay attention to that. Where I just, where I just sit there shirtless and uh, read from, read from uh, Ludwig von Mises and Murray Rothbard. <laughs> all right, bro. All right, peace.